everybody. My name's Eric Johnson, and I'm here with my brother, Derek, for another edition of Running Into the Fog, today with Kathy Henrich, the CEO of Milwaukee Tech Hub Coalition. Hey, Kathy. Hi, nice to see you, Eric. Good to see you too, Kathy. Hey, Derek, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Really excited to be back on the podcast here, recording with you and our special guest, Kathy. Thanks for joining us today, Kathy. We appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. What are we up to now, Derek? Which uh, edition is this? Yeah, so this uh, date today is October the 6th of 2021, episode 25. Expect release is going to happen right around the 18th of January or so of 2022. Far out. Well, then uh, I will just uh, celebrate. And Derek, if if you didn't know this, uh, I did it without you. But uh, we are now members of Milwaukee Tech Hub Coalition, FYI. And I think you did know that. Uh, so, oh, yeah. I was aware. It was actually my credit card that put that money down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I try and use Derek's credit card for everything, Kathy. So thank you for your support. He's, he's got this philosophy that if it shows up in my line item, it comes out of my pay, whereas I have the philosophy that everything comes out of his pay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kathy, it's such a pleasure to have you on here. And I just want to share with the crowd uh, who's listening to this, however many years from now you're listening, uh, how we met. And uh, Kurt Halbeck uh, is a mutual friend and, uh, you know, collaborator. And he had started, along with his partners uh, up in the Fox River Valley area, the Wisconsin, uh, was it the Advancing Artificial Intelligence Wisconsin, Advancing AI Wisconsin. And I think we met there and then we had you come and be a keynote speaker. You were a closer at one of our Reconverged G2 meetings a couple of years ago. And then we've just gotten to be friends and, and it's been such a great uh, you know, treat to see the arc of your story here these last four or five years. So tell us about yourself. Yeah, so um, probably the last four or five years are probably my most interesting, but um, I actually spent almost 30 years at IBM um, leading um, large sales partnership marketing type of organizations, about half billion dollar businesses for IBM. And I did four years, well, it would have been 2017, so yes, four years ago, Um, although this is my first 2022 activity I appeared, but, um, you know, so... I decided to do this crazy thing and take a leave of absence and go back and get my master's in workforce and talent development. Um, And I never would have um, expected where that would have led. But the reason I did it, number one, I felt the need to have a bigger impact. Um, And then the second reason is, um, you know, you start to look at what problem needs to be solved. And what I saw happening within IBM at the time was technology was rapidly changing. We were implementing AI and automation techniques, et cetera. And we were making obsolete skills on one side and letting people go. And on the other side, we were trying to hire unicorns, right? Um, People that the skill set didn't exist. And I felt like there was a better way to do that. And my background, the reason or the way that I had had success through my career was really in um, transforming talent and through that transformation leads great business results. And so I thought I would lean on that and get it formalized through education. And so went back, got my master's. While I was doing that, I did a lot of community volunteer work, um, including advancing AI Wisconsin, um, where we were really trying to raise the visibility of the transformation that was happening in tech. 
that led me to go in and um, consulting with organizations as they went through digital transformation to bring their talent along. That was at Accenture. And um, while that happened, um, I had stayed in contact from my volunteer work with the then, you know, grassroots issue or initiative called the Milwaukee Tech Hub um, that was sponsored by Northwestern Mutual. And I brought Accenture on as one of the initial founding partners. And through that, it led my, somehow I became CEO. I did not expect where that would lead. But it's such a tremendous opportunity to have a huge impact at scale in the Milwaukee region. Because the mission of the coalition is to inclusively double tech talent in the Milwaukee region. And there's really two goals of that. Um, the first of which is to drive enduring economic prosperity. But the second part is to create life-changing jobs for individuals. Um, and so combining those two is an opportunity to make a generational opportunity here for the Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee region to embrace technology, to grow technology roles, and, and rather than the way some of the other tech hubs have grown up kind of by importing talent to grow our own talent in the process as well. I love the inclusivity part of what you said there, Kathy. And, you know, I, I think as I've been drawn into Milwaukee's orbit over the last few years, and that's no accident, um, I have noticed that there's no other city in America that has more to gain uh, than Milwaukee in terms of uh, your work and the initiative of the supporters and members of the of the Tech Hub uh, coalition there. And I guess, you know, I'd love to spend a little time talking about the continuity of the talent pool. And you probably have a different word for that than I do, but um, I've been doing a lot with students in the area. We, we started an internship program at Concordia up in Mequon a uh, year before last, I guess. We've got a partnership with the high schools, including New Berlin, where uh, Laura Schmidt, who uh, you know obviously is part of the work you're doing, uh, got us involved there. And we've now done four, I think, internships with New Berlin, and that's about to expand. Um, the way I'm kind of looking at it is You've got to almost take a, about a 10-year time horizon on things and sort of look out about 10 years and ask yourself, these kids who are probably in the eighth grade right now, how do you get them to the point where they're starting their own households in their mid-20s, let's say, and then help them to discover how technology ultimately can create meaningful work for them in the decade ahead, their decade ahead, not ours, right. theirs. So tell me about that. What's, what's Milwaukee Tech Hub doing about all that? Yeah, so first of all, we think about it both in terms of driving demand for the job, but also matching that with the appropriate supply. And I'll focus on the supply side of the talent. And we've broken that work down to initiatives around K through 20, the reskilling initiatives, and then the attraction and retention of individuals. And, you know, I used the word inclusive, uh, inclusively the, uh, before. We actually infused in all of that is a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, including a very specific target of at least 50% of everyone we serve coming from demographics that have been traditionally underrepresented in tech. And so as we think about this pipeline approach, we have to think of it in terms of, I'll start with K through 20. How do you, how do you ignite the spark 
right? Um, how do you get people interested in this role? And, you know, a frequently used phrase is you can't be what you can't see, right? So you have to go in to the schools and help them understand these types of career paths in tech. That we have done through kind of a program that's called Hour of Tech, um, which is really to um, exploratory. There's a huge um, group of then um, nonprofits in the region that are pre-existing with which we collaborate in a, in a K through 12 um, coalition of nonprofits to really take that spark and get those entry kinds of skills, right? And to continue to develop them through extracurricular activities, et cetera. There's also a component of that that says we have to, in, we have to be systematic, um, which means we have to have um, inclusive computer science in all of the school districts. And so we've started with strategic planning with the school districts to make that happen and help them with the resources required to be successful in that journey. And then you have to create a pathway to employment. And so we sponsored, for example, a summer internship program this summer. Um, our program this summer was on the ethics and impact of data. Um, we actually, these students got badges from Microsoft. They got the first ever recognized um, badge from the Higher Educational Regional Alliance, all of our higher educational institutions. And, and then we and then um, took them and into a tech career expo where they're connecting to employers. And along that journey, we also, we think about it systematically and how do you expand that impact? So not only who do I touch as individuals, but also their educators so that that educator can now help another 20 or 30 students, however many, and we can start to create scale out of these programs. So I said a ton, but that's really the idea is I've got to start young, start the spark, and then provide the right connected experiences along the journey all the way to employment um, to get students ready for and then full-time employment. That's fascinating. And I had a conversation um, with Tim Sheehy at MMAC a couple of years ago, and I said, Tim, you'll know if you're working uh, on the talent problem, if kids, not their parents, but if kids are bragging about their you know, future in Milwaukee, um, and if they're not bragging about their future in Milwaukee, they're out of there. Uh, so that there's an NPS element to that. What is the net promoter score of the of that population as they're growing older and starting their own lives and you know ending their educational period, you know, with college or whatever that constitutes, and then moving into the work world? Um, and now, of course, that's much more ambiguous. It's like you know, you went back to school. I won't ask what age you were when you did that, but uh, there is, you went back to school later in life in order to make a career pivot and really, you know, renew your career in a way that, you know, now you're CEO of a, you know, major coalition like this. So, I don't know, Derek, I'll pass the mic to you because I don't want to hog this with Kathy. You know, uh, what what have you been dying to ask Kathy about? Well, I've been doing all this talking. I mean, I mean uh, good on you for knowing not to ask her age when she went back to school, first of all. <laughs> um, our mom, God rest her soul, would be proud. The, um, the 
question I'm dying to ask you, Kathy. You know, keep in mind you're on the podcast with a couple of guys who study competitive strategy. With everybody's got competitors, you know, whether they be explicit or implicit, a little tougher to understand. Who are the tech hubs competitors, and how do you think about how you drive some level of superiority for what your mission is? You know, igniting the spark and I wrote down doubling tech talent in Milwaukee region. Who are your competitors and how do you think about them as you're sort of coordinating the Milwaukee Tech Hub's um, tactical as well as strategic missions in this world? Yeah, so first of all, in the region, I don't consider anybody competitors, right? Um, To have an effective coalition, it means working together in ways that bring the best of skill sets from other organizations forward to deliver. And in fact, in in the things that we've accomplished, we have yet to do them alone, right? We're actually have done them in partnership with others in the community because we recognize, you know, our that is not our core competency to be everything to everyone. Rather, there are those that are great at being with the students and others that are much better at interfacing with corporations and everywhere in between. So we've actually formed um, a number of coalitions. And Eric, you talked about Laura Schmidt. We're very fortunate to have Laura as our chief talent development officer forming these coalitions of the nonprofits, of the K through 12 systems, of the higher education systems, the reskilling providers, which we haven't gotten to yet, to be able to take advantage of best cases um, there. So getting back to your question though, there are competitors and we do, you know, one thing that's interesting about tech roles is they're totally portable. They could go, here, or they could be in, you know, name the state, um, you know, Iowa, Texas, doesn't matter, or they could be overseas. And honestly, um, there's huge value in retaining those um, jobs here in the region. They're some of the highest paying jobs um, that has tax revenue implications for us. It has spending implications and downstream multiplier effects, et cetera. So our, uh, you know, we actually have to think about how do we stand out as a region versus other regions across the country. With that said, I will be very honest, I actually collaborate with a lot of these other regions as well. Because um, just like the organizations, companies working together can be more effective, we actually can be more effective working together as tech hubs as well. And so we also have to be thinking about our real competitor is probably the, the over, you know, sees, uh, you know, compa- competition that can come. So we want to retain them first in the United States, second, of course, in Wisconsin, and third, of course, in Milwaukee. But um, that's that's the way I think about it is by working together, we're actually much more effective. And I think you're actually starting to see a mind shift change, even in federal grants, et cetera. They're all asking for collaborations because they recognize no one organization can do it all. 
rather you have to take, um, you have to know what you're good at and, and, and work together. We work really well with the corporations to have pathways to employment, to understand those requirements, all of those kinds of things. I'm going to outsource all day long working with the individual, right, and helping those individuals um, to thrive um, and, and partner with others to do so. Your answer is consistent with what I would have expected from a coalition-based entity like yours is, but it made me wonder you know, when you think about some of the leading, you know, uh, higher ed, edu- you know, institutions or, you know, LinkedIn's uh, various sub-communities trying to build, you know, around, uh, you know, communities online that, you know, where you may not ever see your quote unquote uh, fellow members of those communities and so on. It kind of made me wonder, you know, at what point does that enter into your sort of uh, thought process and framework on a regular day-to-day basis, but I love the answer. And, you know, I think that the the other thing that is a reality that we're living in, right, is the, the notion that tech jobs are going to become much more permanently remote. You know, that these big cities that used to attract tech talent, you could live in downtown Milwaukee and have the appeal of various things, um, go Bucks, right, the, the NBA champions, um, and work for a company that is headquartered in San Francisco, whereas 18 months ago, that might not have been quite the reality that it is today. And I would imagine that that probably makes, you know, this whole uh, concept of attracting uh, skilled individuals in tech maybe a little bit easier than it once was. Would, would you say that's accurate or how would you how would you react to that? Yeah, I think it goes multiple directions. Um, first of all, um, you know, about 10% of the tech workforce was remote prior to the pandemic. So it was a well-established practice here, and it certainly works. Um, with that said, there is the need to convene, um, you know, for innovation, et cetera. So having a workforce that can work remote, but also can easily convene is kind of an ideal um, balance between those two. Where we win out um, is, you know, people moving back, honestly, for quality of life, cost of living, um, family and friend connections, et cetera. Um, For that reason, alumni are actually an ideal target, you know, many that have left the area to come back. So we actually win by, you know, kind of collectively recruiting um, to the community first and then to our individual organizations. That's why we're collaborating together. And by the time this comes out, um, you'll see a a shared talent attraction site from the Milwaukee uh, Tech Hub Coalition that will provide the opportunity to see the breadth and depth of opportunities here, but also all of the resources here in the community to advance your career. So we actually win out in that scenario by coming together, collectively recruiting, and especially going after those that are alumni of the region. Where there is more competition, honestly, is we also now see, you know, the coast trying to hire here versus our regional organizations. And so that actually is driving the cost of labor up right now, even if you adjust, you know, for different cost of living. 
um, it has made an it has made an impact. So um, the this remote work is kind of a double-edged sword and one that we have to continue as employers, right, to recognize that we're competing nationally. We're not competing, right, just locally. Um, we're competing nationally and internationally, honestly, for this talent. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Observations. Eric, what do you think? Well, uh, so as someone who lives about an hour and a half away in the Madison area, um, my son actually just started his freshman year at Concordia uh, and uh, in computer science. And um, as that experience has taught me, I think it, I think it's about where people call home. You know, it's really about where you call home. You, you talked earlier about really selling the region as home first and then selling the opportunities, the economic opportunities that, that a place with a critical mass like that can be observed by others from outside the region, especially alumni, people who've grown up here and left, so to speak. And one of the things that UW-Madison talks about a lot is there are more uh, CEOs in the Fortune 500 with a, with a degree from Madison than any other school in the world. And that is true because they all got engineering degrees, or a lot of them did um, anyway, but that an undergraduate, and then they went off to Harvard for their MBA or Stanford or somewhere more prestigious, so to speak. Um, I think the retention of our young talent is one of those topics that is going to be front and center. And, and as I've noticed, and I think we've even discussed, the entry level opportunities that, you know, where does, you know, just take one something specific like a user experience designer, a user experience designer who wants to have maybe their own firm or work freelance might start out at Kohl's department store or Harley Davidson or Manpower or some one of the local big names in order to kind of cut their teeth, get some experience, learn what to do, what not to do. There's a lot of technical acumen that they have to pick up, but then there's all the professional stuff that running your own agency involves. Tell me a little bit about what uh, Milwaukee Tech Hub's doing to expand those entry-level opportunities that really pick kids up right off the turnip truck, as mom used to say, and cut their teeth a little bit so that they're ready to do bigger things. Yeah, so a couple of things that I think are important to know. First of all, Milwaukee has a huge asset, the Milwaukee region. We actually have the sixth highest concentration of college students per capita. And, and people, I, people are like, wow, right? And I think it, it, people don't necessarily know that because a lot of it is in smaller institutions that when aggregated actually make for a lot of students per capita. And so as a result of that, we actually have this huge asset to leverage, uh, to put into early careers. Um, and that actually is um, a challenge, right? Both when you have that, that asset, you have to you know, make sure you're fully utilizing it um, and being able to absorb that. So the coalition, couple of things, right? This pathway to employment component that I talked about with the Tech Career Expo is one way of just making those connections to be earlier and also helping individuals understand and see the breadth and depth of opportunity that's here. So a year ago, we actually did some primary research on why people come here, why they don't come here, like they have a job offer and they don't come here. And 
people understand quality of life, cost of living, et cetera, but there were misconceptions. There's misconceptions around, man, if I come here for a job or if I'm a student, is there really enough jobs here for me? And so bubbling that up so people can see the breadth and depth of opportunity that exists here and the career pathing that exists both laterally and vertically is really important. The other misconception, and it's based on, you know, frankly, some shred of truth at one point in time, but you know how things become urban legend, you know, is that we're 10 years behind in technology. Absolutely not true, but in the early days of computing, yes, things started on the coast and kind of flowed in. And so while we've now caught up and are leading in the technology world, that misnomer is still there. So we have to be telling our story of the fact that we're using the latest and greatest and really solving with that problems that matter. They're problems that matter to all of our future in this world. And, and, and then the other thing we learned from that primary research is that people really care that we're all committed to the diversity, equity, and inclusion of individuals. They want to choose places that are inclusive of everyone. And so all of those points put together are some of the things that as we market the region, it's important that we do to highlight that breadth and depth of opportunities, that use of current technologies, to solve problems that matter is all really important so that students want to stay here um, as we go forward. That's really exciting. And, you know, the last time we were in person, Kathy, I'll remind you if you don't remember, uh, mm -hmm. we were at MATC, uh, excuse me, Milwaukee yep. Institute. Of, uh, I just blanked on the name. You tell MSOE. me. MSOE. MSOE, Milwaukee School of Engineering. Thank you. And right outside that, room where we were doing the future of artificial intelligence uh, summit talks and then later published the report on that um, was that giant NVIDIA supercomputing thing. And so I know the guy, the CEO or the founder of NVIDIA it comes from Milwaukee. And there, there are some of those sort of mythical tales to tell like that, like that gentlemen. Um, and the, those story telling opportunities are few and far between. And I think that's something that, you know, as you're telling Milwaukee's story, and that's really part of being CEO of Milwaukee Tech Hub is telling Milwaukee's story. What other examples are there that sort of challenge that old stereotype of being 10 years behind? And in fact, exemplify how you're right on the cusp, you're on the cutting edge and good things are coming out of Milwaukee. Obviously, the Bucks drew a national audience to the Milwaukee example. And there was some debatable commentary from some of the people reporting on that. You know, some of the announcers were actually, you know, talking about Milwaukee in a not so positive light. And they got some flack and correction around that as well. But what else? What are the other little vignettes, the little stories that Milwaukee needs to tell? Tell us a couple of them, if you have them in mind. Yeah, so I mean, I think you have to think about, um, you know, there's some like zingers that, first of all, I, I happen to think on a data brain, right? But, you know, tech is nine and a half percent of our economy. It's over 80,000 workers. It's 2,300 tech businesses. When you start to understand that about Milwaukee, it's, it's surprising to most people, right? That going back to that breadth and depth of opportunity that exists here. Absolutely. 
second is we have some leading industries here. We're well known for water and water technologies, battery and energy types of technologies as well, um, controls. Um, so you look at, you know, a Generac or a Milwaukee tool. I mean, all of that's based on energy technologies. And they are growing exponentially here, right? And so those are opportunities. Clarios is another example. We're solving issues, you know, in the healthcare field, um, GE Healthcare being right here as well, but also planning for everyone's financial future, right? There's such a breadth of great opportunities here in the Milwaukee region. And I think that's one of those stories that we kind of we kind of forget, right? We we take it for granted. One of the people who I know is really influential uh, with Milwaukee Tech Hub is uh, James Hitchkey from uh, Northwestern Mutual. And I remember standing. This was maybe six months before lockdowns hit. I was in the Northwestern Mutual uh, headquarters building. And I said, "So, um, what does everybody here do? Are they all actuaries?" Or he said, "No, the vast majority of the people in that building are security and cybersecurity, loss prevention and control." And so there, it strikes me that a lot of financial innovation in the future is going to be around security infrastructure. And as we saw, Facebook went down a couple of days ago for 12 hours and everyone went apoplectic when they couldn't get their Instagram updates out and all that sort of stuff. That seems like one of those sort of underrepresented niches of uh, tech industry that is out there, but it's really invisible. And here I am standing in the headquarters of one of the largest insurance companies in the world. And I'm like, what do these people do here? Who, who's in this building anyway? So uh, maybe tell me about some of those things that we, the stories we don't know like that. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, so I am a data geek, so I'll go back to my data piece of it. I actually, so when we look at tech jobs, we look at those that are in the tech industry and then those that are embedded in traditional industries. And the Milwaukee region actually has the highest ratio of those that are embedded in traditional industries of any city in the region. And when you think of a traditional tech hub, it's always those that have the tech companies. So. When I said it's nine and a half percent of our economy, it becomes surprising because it's embedded. Um, I did a presentation last week and I thought this, this was, it was very eye-opening. So manufacturing, largest industry here in the state, right? Um, job postings, 38% of them are now asking for tech skills in manufacturing. It's a, you know, jobs are changing. It's becoming integrated, right? Tech, formerly tech jobs are looking for business skills, business skills are looking for tech skills, et cetera. Second, probably most like eye-opening was um, in this, um, it was MC, but um, this right now manufacturing is the second highest requester of AI talent of any industry in, in the country other than computer, um, the computer industry or tech industry. So manufacturing is rapidly changing. So you talked about finance rapidly changing, tech or manufacturing, what we like historically have thought of as a dirty, dark industry, right? Is not so anymore. It's very tech driven. And so those are the kinds of things that I think surprise people as they think about what tech is here in Milwaukee. 
That's a great story to tell. And Derek, I'm going to pass to you here in a second, but one of the unknown stories, and I think it's unknown because it's overshadowed by beer is the food and beverage, uh, you know, vertical industry that exists in Milwaukee. And, you know, whether it's sort of Clement's sausage, which boy, if there's a better beef stick, I don't know of where it comes, but, um, and I, I won't linger on the beer stereotype too long there, but you know, there, Wisconsin is known for its cheese and its agriculture and all that sort of stuff. Getting that stuff to market, however, is a very sophisticated vertical industry where there's a lot of human intervention. And that's really why AI, it totally makes sense that AI talent would be drawn into manufacturing. My guess is there's going to be AI talent drawn into agriculture and, you know, this, the, the rest of those uh, parts of the industrial complex. But with where are we at? We're at about 35 minutes here. We've got about 10 minutes left. Derek, um, I'm going to pass it back to you. Yeah, it just strikes me that uh, what you're talking about, Kathy, with manufacturing being the largest really uh, sort of uh, industry, if you will, in, in the state of Wisconsin where we reside, you know, does the tech coalition that you run see opportunity? I would assume the answer is yes, to, to go out and, and figure out how to create stronger linkages and partnerships with say WMEP or other uh, manufacturing related or directly uh, imposing uh, figures and so on with regards to the state of Wisconsin, as well as outside of the state of Wisconsin in this Midwest region, what do you think? Absolutely. Um, and we have been collaborating, and sorry that my light has been changing, but uh, you know, we've been collaborating across the region with many organizations and each one of those has opportunities. Um, you know, we're a two-year-old organization and have launched a lot of things in that time frame, but there's more to come, right? And as you said, in into those kind of industry verticals, those kinds of things. Yeah. So the, the name of this podcast being running into the fog, what kind of fog do you, every leader, I don't care if you're dealing with a profit or non, not-for-profit type of entity, every leader deals with some level of fog. What kind of fog rolls into Kathy's desk on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> oh, um, you know, one thing that's interesting, as I said, we're only a two-year-old organization. So one of the things that's always very interesting is, um, you know, building an organization as you're running, right? Um, so, you know, building a reskilling program and an apprenticeship model while an internship model, et cetera, while at the same time, you're still figuring out how to pay people <laughs> and all of the other processes that go into that. So. Um, I think the ability to be strategic at the same time tactical and at the er, and programmatic and at the same time building all of the infrastructure that's required, doing all of that concurrently is a real challenge. But one that's um, obviously exciting is you build from a, a blank sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. um, but as we look forward into the future, I mean. I think one of the things that we have to continue to start to think about um, as employers is really, um, you know, at what point will we get to the tipping point of understanding that I can't recruit my way out of this and I have to invest in building talent as well. So that has been, um, you know, you know, organizations definitely need, you know, three to five plus years of experience to help them with experience, nature, et cetera. 
I think more and more organizations are starting to understand that that alone is not going to get me the talent required to transform my organization um, for the future. And so looking at how can I build from domain expertise to provide the technical expertise that actually provides the best of both worlds, right? And so taking that um, approach is actually really important. The other thing that does actually is at the time you're doing that builds not only capacity, but diversity at the same time. And so that brings a rich array of experiences and skill sets, et cetera, to help look at problems differently. So Derek, as I think about you know, going into the future, we're starting to, it's like, where do we hit that tipping point, right? Where people truly understand that it's an and statement. It's, an, it's a development of talent and a recruitment of talent concurrently in order to meet the capacity and diversity requirements that all of us should be looking at. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think you point out some really important um, skills that you must have as a leader you know, to, to operate both tactically and strategically every given hour of the day, right? You know, that is the fog that a lot of leaders run through. I know I, I see it on a regular basis and you, know, you you wish you could spend some days you wish you could spend more much more time than you can in that strategic mindset and you know other days you like me maybe you take a, a lot find a lot of joy in the fact that you can get kind of tactical and you know that part can be really fun too um, so we're, you know kind of as we wrap up here Kathy what for our listeners at home or people that might be struggling trying to figure out how to find that balance in their day you know, to, to operate both tactically and strategically. Any tips for them just to, you know, it could be something simple. Hey, get up from your desk and go, you know, take a walk, schedule that in, or it could be something something else such as what you did, you know, going back to school, you know, get your master's degree. I think it was LSU, if I have that correct, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what, what do you have for our listeners? Ways, tips for them to kind of manage their own, you know, fog running uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? Now, I'm a big believer in, um, I'll say, data-driven kind of decision-making. and But that requires deep thought. To me, the only time to do that, and everybody finds it in a different place, for me, that's early, right, in the morning. Today, it happened to be 3.30 in the morning. But, you know, you wake up dreaming about it, and you're like, fine, I'm just going to get up and start writing things down. Um, and I think that is, you know, finding that space, um, you know, and recognizing it may not be in the middle of the day, right? Um, I can't write in the middle of the day. I can't be profound in the middle of the day, right? Um, I, you know, we're moving so fast. I think the other thing is you have to be willing to invest the time to learn from all sources, right? Whether that's reading books. Um, I've got my forces of good one next to me here, you know, that was so helpful as I thought about how do we make maximum impact, right? Whether that's reading books, whether that's reading and consolidating information, and you almost have to have it like I just did a presentation on date um, around talent and what's going on in the marketplace to help others through that thought process. 
or whether it's listening, right? All of our members are actually deeply involved with us as we form our strategies. Um, and there's so much impact of that because at the end of the day, I don't employ anybody. I mean, I do, but it's a small group. What I'm trying to build is a, a big scaled workforce of tech. I need those people that are employing that tech talent to help guide everything we do. And if we listen well, we're actually better off. So I'm a big believer in you've got to take data from a lot of different sources, both anecdotal as well as, as um, tactical. Put that together and look at where you're going. And usually it's at four o'clock in the morning that I'm able to draw that pathway between the two of them, but not other times. There's 24 hours in a day for a reason, right? <laughs> Eric, what do you think about all that? Well, you reminded me of something, Kathy, which I think is another one of those hidden advantages, uh, hidden competitive advantages of this region. And I'll say the Wisconsin region in particular, uh, just to be a little more inclusive. Uh, but um, I think it's the, the farmer mindset. And, you know, sometimes people take that the wrong way. But I will tell you that having I'm out on a farm as you there's my tractor uh, in the background, my chicken coop is over there. Uh, but there's a mindset that comes along with dealing with the weather and commodity markets and breakdowns and having to be your own mechanic and raising animals and all that sort of stuff that is part of our heritage as Wisconsinites, whether we come from you know downtown Milwaukee or we come from Chautauqua, Wisconsin, which is where Derek and I grew up between Rice Lake and Eau Claire, um, there is that mindset advantage. And I think what you just shared is an, is an example of that mindset where the collection of perspectives, you know, I, I think our mother was a beauty, had a beauty salon. And in those days, it was mostly women hanging out at the beauty salon. And where were the guys? They were down at the feed store, you know, because they're farmers. And where do guys get together and gossip? The feed store, like women used to do at the, you know, beauty parlor. So the idea that you're collecting and aggregating and really curating those perspectives is that's the argument around <clears throat> diversity, equity, and inclusion. You've got this diversity of experience and uh, the ability to include all of those perspectives and points of view gives you a higher resolution picture of reality. So I guess that's my observation, Kathy, is that you've exemplified that humility quotient is what we often call it. The humility quotient that there's a lot you can tell me that I don't already know. And that's really what intelligence is about, is admitting that there's a lot that other people can teach me that I don't already know. And Kathy, you're a fantastic example of that for other CEOs in the region and beyond. Thank you. And I will say one, th the hidden advantage culturally is also a very generous person, a generous culture, one that extends their network and genuinely wants to see the greater good, right, um, occur. And I think that's actually one of our hidden assets as well from a cultural perspective is that ability to collaborate around a greater good um, and for the collective impact. We see each other as humans and we care for each other. Yeah, that's a big, big point. Well, Kathy, Derek, I'll let you take us home, but thank you so much for being on Running Into the Fog with the Joe Bros here once again. Uh, this is my favorite so far. Thank you. Uh, I'll just uh, close with two things. We like to have a little bit of Johnson Brothers storytelling uh, in this, and Eric 
gave me this opportunity by talking about feed stores and agriculture. But you made a comment five, 10 minutes ago, Eric, about having just fallen off the turnip truck. And our mom used to say that to us when we do something you know, that, that didn't quite seem so above board or, you know, like, uh, how can you possibly be with it, young man, if you're, you know, you're falling right off the turnip truck. Um, so I couldn't help but kind of bring back to focus and you, uh, Kathy, with your words and your wisdom here on Running Into the Fog, you helped legitimize a couple of brothers from Northern Wisconsin who uh, still to this day like to maybe remain humble with uh, some of these terms like falling right off the turnip truck and even though we've been doing this for a while. I'll go, uh, last question for you, Kathy, is how can people communicate with you? Where do they, where do they find you? How do they reach you? Game for questions when people listen to this podcast and might want to learn a little bit more about whether, uh, you know, how they're doing from their own reskilling journey or, or, or how they might Milwaukee. get involved. Or, or they or might move, get to involved, move to Milwaukee, get involved with the Milwaukee Tech Coalition. Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, um, you can go to our website at mketech.org. You can sign up for the newsletter there. That's a great way of making sure you're involved with not only what we're doing as a coalition, but our goal is to actually showcase everything that's going on within the region to, to lift up and showcase everything that's going on from a tech perspective. So that's one is that you can certainly go there can certainly reach out to me via LinkedIn. Um, it's just Kathy and it's Henrich, H-E-N-R-I-C-H, and you'll find me very quickly. Um, and then, um, you know, always can contact me via email as well, which is just, which is always funny after coming from 400,000 person employer, or employers to Kathy at mketech.org. So. Keeping it simple. Keeping well, it simple. Thank you, Kathy, for coming on the, the podcast episode 25 hope everybody has a great great day and a week ahead and when you listen to this in january of 2022 and just appreciate all the uh perspective you shared with us kathy thank you thank you both appreciate it very much and thank you for joining the coalition thanks kathy thanks derek